0: So walk me through your process. How do you pick? What? How do like? Are you investing for cash flow? Or are you investing for equity growth? How do you pick the asset class? How do you pick the fund?
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting process, and unfortunately, there's no shortcut. You have to learn it from one perspective to grow into seeing it from another perspective. When I started, for me, it was about cash flow. Uh, I my most important metric that I gauge the first metric that I gauged every deal was who it was the operator the experience the track record what deals they have done what what's the reputation
0: all right welcome to another episode of the legacy wealth podcast I'm your host Pascal Wagner uh, and we teach uh Accredited business owners, how to invest in private investments. And today we have on the show Camille Morris, uh, who is an immigrant entrepreneur who migrated over from Poland uh, to the United States when he was just 13 years old in uh, in 1993. He started a company uh, called B and B Siding Contractors, grew that to over seven million, and then acquired and grew a 12 million a, a roofing company that grew to 12 million a year and uh, a real estate development company in Florida, uh, up to $10 million a year in revenue. So uh, I'm really excited to have Camille on the show. I know him from GoBundance. I've known him for a couple of years now. Uh, he's invested over $1 million, uh, into different uh, funds as an LP. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, Camille.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Pascal. It's uh, great to be here, man.
0: Yeah, man. So to, to get us started, what I want to do is always share a story of how did you start investing in funds?
1: What's your story? For sure. Okay. So, you know, everything starts with uh, making, making that, that bank, you know, creating that capital, that investable capital that you can then leverage uh, for, for compounded interest and, and returns, right? So for me, it all starts in 2005. I get into the roofing and siting residential business back then. Uh, not knowing any better, I'm um, I'm in it. I'm working all the functions uh, throughout the years, and uh, fast forward ten years when I have a realization that man, this isn't really working out. Like I'm not saving any money. I'm not going on vacations. Uh, you know, I'm always stressed. The bank account's always low. Something's off, right? So I get on this whole journey of of rediscovering what it is to to have a. A business and i realize you know business is 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 something you work on and not in right that whole thing and and then the self-development journey that's a huge part of everything you can't forget about dreaming about investing if you're not you know investing in yourself first right so that's that's the basis uh so fast forward another two years uh i'm in a position where all of a sudden i see that the business has some structure around it. it has some systems i hired one or two people I can delegate a little bit more. Now I'm noticing that even though I added overhead, I'm actually like making money, saving money. And um, and that's where it started. I wasn't thinking so much at that. Well, actually let me rephrase. I, w- I was gonna say that I wasn't thinking about investing that much, but I remember it was 2014, uh, 15, that I bought my first duplex, right? So there was my my mindset was around real estate already. Uh, just because my mom was in it already. And, and I kind of followed her coattails. And and I bought that first property. But then, like I said, with building on what I started with the business and the scale, I get to a year of two, uh, 2017, where I joined Go Abundance. And there, the concept of proximity is power. The influence effect really just becomes wide. My eyes are you know wide open. It, it, it's such a such a blast uh, of, of just realism of where you could be, what you could achieve. And that's why I started hearing all the concepts about syndication, investing in other people's deals, you know, being an LPA, KKP, a GPM deals. And it, it, I was, I was like a kid in the candy store, right? Just, just eating everything up like a sponge, learning, going to every single meetup, every single event, just learning, learning, learning. And at the same time, I'm scaling my business. I'm adding people, I'm adding processes, we're ramping up marketing. And and there's, there's more and more cash, you know, invested on the side, not invested, put away on the side for future investments. So about a year into, into GoBundance, you know, I start talking to guys about investing in their deals because real estate was already my thing. And the first thing I started doing is real estate syndications. And then came the other type of investments.
0: Got it. Okay. So to, to recapture the story, so you, you moved to the U S you, you know, as you got older, you started, uh, a business and then you started acquiring other businesses. And uh, you know, as your, your business started to grow, you started having extra cash on the side, you joined a new, uh, invent, like a new mastermind group. This one happened to be GoBundance. And from there you just learned, uh, everything around, uh, investing in other deals. So uh, was, was because I know go abundance. Well, was this spurred by the idea of being a hundred percenter this idea of having all of your expenses covered by, uh, passive income or, or was it that you wanted diversification away from what you were doing or did you just met some guys and you thought that what they were working on was, was cool.
1: love well, that, that question. It was actually the first, right? So in go abundance, uh, there's this concept called one sheet where you're going, where you share your numbers with your, with your, um, you know, brothers. And one of the numbers talks about financial freedom and a a percentage, a freedom percentage uh, that covers your everyday expenses. And it was simple as a thought that, that I, that I basically grasped onto was if I want to be in this tribe and I'm going to show up a year after year, I got to have that number go up. And it wasn't even something I really wanted to do. Like I was still kind of, you know, a business owner. uh, And I even thought about, you know, having that number go up, but in my own deals, like buying my own duplexes or single families. But I was, that was the, that was the definite definition, like the the, the defining, defining moment where I said, yep, I got to start investing in passive income in order to, you know level up and that's that where that idea came from uh, and again it, the initial thought was buying my own properties but then i realized that you could actually do it way more passively even than that by investing in other people's deals
0: yeah i think a lot of people think that so one of the first things i think people do when they start investing is they're like oh like buy real estate like real estate's a great investment and it's like you don't realize how much work it is and it's everything but passive if you're going to manage it properly Everyone's talking about raising their financial freedom number. Out of all the different ways that you could increase your passive income, why focus on alternative investments?
1: I think you just hit the nail on the head right a a few seconds ago. It was, for me, it was, I, you know, I'm already focused on my lane. Uh, I tried real estate with a few duplexes. And like you said, it's a headache and a half. Uh, it's a full-time job in addition to what I was already doing, even though I had a lot of support down in Florida, but it's still, you got to manage financial. You gotta, you gotta, you know, pick up the, 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 on the, the, the phone and you gotta be on top of it. You can't just, you can't just lay off. So I realized that investing in, um, in syndications at the moment, cause that was the first type of investment that I did. Uh, was, was the, the passive thing to do. It was a way to multiply my capital without being involved at all, right? You just look at the, the statements every month. You, you wait for the cash flow. Uh, and that was, uh, that was something that really, I really gravitated to that in the beginning. I, I felt that it was a huge opportunity to, to basically, uh, diversify one away from my business and to start building that cash flow. Not sure if that was what you were asking. But yeah, no, sorry. no,
0: no. Uh, good. Okay. And, and then so, so walk me through your process, right? Like, I think as a prospective investor or someone who's thinking about getting into funds or maybe is invested in their first one, the thought is, is how do you pick what? How do you like? Are you investing for cash flow? Or are you investing for equity growth? How do you pick the asset class? How do you pick the fund? How do you find deals? Like, walk us through that process.
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting process, and unfortunately, there's no shortcut. You have to learn it from one perspective to grow into seeing it from another perspective, right? When I started, for me, it was about cash flow. Uh, My most important metric that I gauged, the first metric that I gauged every deal was the operator, right? The experience, the track record, what deals they have done, what's, you know... What what what's the reputation? Uh, can I verify these things with other members, with people who've done business with that person? That was the first. Right. Then you look at the deal, uh, obviously, and um, and the projection and you measure that up up to against your criteria at the, at the time. And where I'm where I'm going with this is when I was at that time in my life, it's, it was all about cash flow. And that's how I looked at deals. That's how I co- qualified them. And and there was there were my metrics. My uh, cap rate needed to be eight and a half. My debt ratio needed to one be one point six and above. My cash on cash twelve percent and above. Those were my criteria back then. Right now, having built up enough uh, investable capital, having have enough investments out there already. Again, my business is running. Now I'm looking at investments from the equity perspective and the wealth vehicle creation perspective uh generational wealth right so not so much around cash flow cash on cash returns although it all has to be positive so it's it's pretty cool how that whole perception changes over time as you gain experience and it and it basically comes down to where you are in life how old are you what your risk assessment is and and how much money you got
0: so so what i'm hearing here is it's not it's not that oh, you started out cash flow and you were young and naive and now you're focused on equity growth and that's what you should have been focused all along. It's more that it's based on where you are in life, what your needs are. Hey, now that you have X percent of your uh, cash flow needs met, now it's like, why would I get extra cash flow that's taxed at a higher rate than maybe capital gains uh, and and let me focus more on equity growth? Is that what I'm hearing? 100%,
1: that's exactly it.
0: Yeah, well, when when you think about that transition, is it like, oh man, I hit my hundred percenter? Um, you know, one hundred percent of my expenses, personal expenses, are covered by my uh, passive income. Is is that when you started the transition, or is was it kind of like, you know, uh, I just feels good, or I have twenty percent more cash flow than I need? I imagine you know, it's like okay, you make two three hundred k a year and passive, and you know, it, walk me through that.
1: Um yeah, I wish it was so black and white. Uh, it's 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 a little tricky. It, the number is important, right? You want to hit certain numbers in order to sit down and restrategize your approach to anything in life, whether it's business or investments. So it's it's important to have data and metrics that you can rely on. It's uh, you know, I wouldn't just make all the decision on gut feeling for sure. Um for me it was that it was the numbers uh in combination with what my businesses were making at the time where I knew my investment return on my on reinvesting my businesses way supersede anything else. Uh, And at that moment, I figured, and it also goes back to the taxable income, I figured that if I park my money in the bigger deals, huge deals, and because really, I don't, I don't, I didn't need the money at that moment because my businesses were covering ex, a lot of expenses and and even uh, left uh, investable capital. So I use the big deals and not equity play like long term investments as my next vehicle. Uh, so it's hard to say what one thing uh, made that pivot, but it's a combination of few. But data and number is are important, right? So you did definitely want to be a certain financial position for you to make that pivot.
0: Yeah. So, so now walk me through your first fund. You you eventually got into Gobundance. You got excited about investing in syndications and like what what different types of deals did you look at? What got you really excited? What was the final one that you invested into? Yeah,
1: I mean it's uh, it was all so super exciting. Uh, I you know it was all a learning curve for me at the same time as I was investing. So I started off with. I think it was a 40 or 50 unit apartment syndication. Um, I I knew the guy, actually the, the, the sponsor on the deal was, was a dude that was all over. It still is on bigger pockets. So I listened to him for years. I was even a little bit starstruck. I'm like, damn, you know, I'm, I'm on with this guy. So that was pretty cool. Everything worked out. Amazing. It was a great deal. Um, uh, but it was it was sort of where I'm going with this. It was it was a a certain safe deal. I knew the sponsor. I looked at the numbers. Uh, it was what I was familiar with because by that time I had a bunch of duplexes, so I knew the rehab component. I was very comfortable with the whole structure, right? And obviously we were in a good market anyway, uh, so that helped. Um, so I, I dipped my toes in, and then I started investing in another one of those similar deals. I probably did three or four of those deals that then eventually paid out over time, and 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 you know it's it's a mix. So um, those were my first type of deals, syndications on the smaller scales with with guys that I've uh, that I've somehow came across and were able to uh, like vet and 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 make sure that they're good operators.
0: Totally. So uh, just for the audience, uh, for those listening, if you keep hearing the words funds or syndications uh, thrown around, they are two separate things. Uh, funds are an investment in an operator that might buy multiple assets, whereas a syndication is you're investing in an operator that's buying one particular asset. So in this case, what uh, Camille is talking about is there is one 44-unit apartment building. Uh, and so that is a that he's investing in the operator that's outlined this one very particular deal, which, which I feel like, you know, I'd be interested in to hear your take. I don't know how much it matters, but, you know, I think about funds for diversification in an asset class. Whereas I think about syndications are if you want to really understand one deal, uh, really well, that, that you can, you can look at all the numbers and really, you know, go deep and figure out is this, does everything make sense here to me? How do you think about funds versus syndications?
1: Uh, so yes, uh, I appreciate you said that because I, I forgot to clarify. I did not invest in funds till way down, way down the road. For me it was syndications in the beginning because it was I was very much focused on making sure the deal is tied to the operator and I'm investing in a particular deal because of my lack of experience, I wanted to learn from the deal from from vetting that deal. It's only till later that I started investing in funds. And that whole concept is strictly tied into the operator and the, and the, and the guy that, that owns the fund, that leads the fund, um, right? Because he's investing in deals that you don't even know what he's investing in. Right. Um, so, and that, that gets developed over time. I mean, you have to, you know, either a solid recommendation uh, or a relationship that you that you developed from my perspective, right? I mean, everybody's got their own risk assessment.
0: Yeah, so are you saying that you felt maybe funds were a little bit more risky and so that's why you started with syndications? Uh,
1: uh looking back at it, yes, I would consider them more risky, but the re- the, the truth is I didn't even know you could have done that early on. I didn't even the the fund concept wasn't as prevalent in Gobundance then. Like I think the only guy that had a fund was the 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 uh, elder, you know David Osborne was probably one of the only guys who really had a fun in, in the tribe, and uh, it just wasn't a concept that that I had enough courage to to talk about or, or or dive into without knowing the the syndication level stuff and just more be be more elaborate around investing as a whole before I got into funds.
0: Why do you think? Why do you think funds are riskier? Uh, that's an that's an interesting take. Again
1: it's it so varies on 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 the risk assessment of, of each person and their journey right for me it was just because it was unknown and I it, it wasn't my world it, I, I knew nothing about it knowing what funds are now uh, it's way more of a comfortable conversation it's way more over a comfortable investment for me I mean I'm investing in funds. Uh, that don't even know the operators right They're vc fund, venture capital funds so you know you know the company right but you don't know who the guy is you know behind the shield there two levels down that's actually operating the fund um so you're investing in thesis on the fund in, in a lot of uh, instances mm, so why would i why was i think I, it's just lack of knowledge i think that's that's really all it was right yeah and,
0: yeah but yeah. um okay so so before the show, we talked about all of the different types of of funds that you've invested into uh, or, or syndications uh, in general. And you said you've invested in a, in a venture capital fund. Um, kind of t- as the first one, let, let's dive into that one. Like, what interested you about this venture capital fund? Um, what's its thesis? Uh, how'd you get introduced to it?
1: Yeah, so there's a few, um, probably about three or four. <clears throat> Usually, they all come about by Somebody else recommending it to you, right? You're not out there. I'm not an I'm not an active investor anymore, so I only invest in deals that somebody shares with me. That's a trusted source. Um, so there's a whole pro- the whole conversation around how you probably vet and source deals and stuff like that. But for me, it's right. It comes from the right source. That was big, and I looked at the thesis, and I I wanted to recognize if it's something that I could get excited about. I know a lot of investors talk about I'm. Um, I'm only investing in things I can explain, I know, or or I would use or stuff like that. I get it. And I would love to do so as well. But I also have this little side of me, even though I'm not a gambler, I hate going to the casino, but I have this side of me where I want to invest in something that's really going to get me excited. And I might not know everything about what the what the, what the, what the intricacies of the uh, uh you know, the company, a uh, company's undertaking is like, there's there's some fine details, I don't know. But the overall concept is exciting to me, right? So we have I have money in a in a technology play where, you know, um, where this fund buys up small SaaS companies, and they roll them up together, and they service bigger, huge technology companies with their services, and they take take company, companies public, so I'm excited about you know having one of my investments uh, ring the door ring, ring the bell on the stock exchange. That's that, like that's fun stuff. But I only you know allocate up to five percent max of those type of deals in terms of my whole portfolio value. So so there's that component of it all. Um, and again, if I was a, a full time uh, fund investor, it goes a lot a lot more has to go into it, and you have to do a lot more due diligence because you're investing a lot of your capital, right? But it's not me so I can afford to take a lot of risk because it's more of a of a just, you know, let's start diversify and put some bets on this here.
0: Yeah, so the SAS the SAS roll up uh thesis is super interesting. What are what are the other ones? You mentioned that there were two three or four that you did?
1: Uh yes, yeah, so we the have <laughs> Yeah, no worries. I have I, I we invested in Sinewave, uh which is a also a technology company that company uh, specializes in connecting uh, the Silicon Valley tech world with the government.
0: So is this a, is this a private company or is this a a VC firm? This is, this is a VC firm. Okay, sweet.
1: Yeah. Um, So they have multiple companies rolled up and, and they only specialize in that area of, of, uh, of call it business. Right. So that was interesting to me. I, I thought to myself, you know, uh, government's got all the money in the world. Technology's is where it's at right now. If you married the two, that's pretty, probably a pretty good bet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh,
1: what else do we have? Um, I, we invested in a company that, this is a little bit more my wheelhouse, that buys up uh, small service companies and creates a huge back office component for them. And they basically just scaled that out of this world, uh, so that was pretty cool. And they do it all over the world, so it's not just one market. So I was excited about the diversification idea of it of them having companies in all different countries, right? So that that sounded to me like a a, a pretty cool and interesting concept. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. So so the, you the basically three fun had ones. you had these you had these companies kind of introduced to you through trusted people you know, and that's how you, you know, it wasn't like you looked at the top hundred VC firms and then went through and said, oh, I want to, I want to pick that one. No, not at all. Yeah. Okay. No, not it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to hear just the different way everyone gets deals. Um, you, you also talked about that you had, uh, three other investments that were pretty interesting. You mentioned a private equity investment. Well, walk us through what that fund thesis is, why, why you, uh, like that one. and. Let's go there
1: well private equity, I think the only one the only one I have uh, is uh, where um, it's a single family home uh, uh it's just a portfolio of single family homes that they buy up and uh, and uh, and buy and hold and uh, nothing too exciting nothing too yeah. sexy about it Yeah, yeah yeah.
0: Um, uh, but you've also invested in some some unique deals. So you invested in this uh Renault resort. Like, walk us through that one.
1: Uh yeah, that's a cool one. Right. Okay. So uh again, a GoBro connection and uh he bought a wedding venue with a golf course with a hotel in Jersey where I live. So I figured, man, I can drive down, check it out for real. And I did. And then, my God, it was, it was not good. It was a, a dilapidated uh, venue that was caving in on itself. But uh, he sold me the vision, and there was obviously a bunch of other investors. And it was a beautiful vision. Fast forward four years later, it is stunning. It's a stunning place. Uh, I actually had my company Christmas parties there and everything. And the play was uh, also very interesting to me because it had those three, actually four components. It had the winery had the golf course, had the hotel, had the wedding venue. So a lot of income sources, income sources from that, again, the sponsor had proven track record. They've done deal like that in the past. I was very confident with that. Uh, and since then they've, they've done probably about four or five other similar concepts all over the country. So uh, it's, it's really cool. It's one of those where you can talk about your owner in a, in a resort, uh, in a golf course, you're an owner in a winery. So it's a cool one to talk about, but uh, that one is it worked out very well.
0: Yeah. Do, you, do any of these deals have additional perks like uh, discounts if you invest or, or is that uh, not This one
1: kind of does. This one kind of does. Nothing too crazy, but yeah, it's fun also when you walk into the resort and they tell you welcome home, but they probably say it to everybody, but still feels good.
0: <laughs> Oh, okay. I love, I love these. You've also had a deal that went sideways and, and I feel like there's a lot that you could, uh, to share the, the learnings that you had. Walk us through this RV deal that you've, you've invested in. When did you make it? Uh, what was going through your mind when you made uh, the investment? Talk to us about it.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean I'll start by, by by off by saying that it went sideways, but not because of any ill intent or or mismanagement. Or uh, I guess maybe yeah. Well, no, not really, not really. Uh, no, I was going to say everything in life could be mismanaged, right? Even if you have the best intentions, if you make a un, you know uh, uh, a mistake, it could be considered mismanagement. But anyway. Um, so it, it was a very exciting deal because it was a exclusive RV and I'm not actually really, well, I know what it is. I just don't know the terminology for it in that industry, but it's basically uh, high-end, call it small homes with a little lot, little parking lot where you, where you have people, you, they could rent them out. They could buy them and, and hold them and use them as vacation spots. And the re- whole resort was beautifully mar- you know, um, created. The concept was just amazing high-end everything was was uh and, and the location near tampa was amazing well still is uh but unfortunately you know halfway through the gc passed away i think during covid if i don't if i'm not mistaken maybe maybe even
0: gc due to general COVID, contractor
1: Yeah, the, uh, the general contractor passed away and that's where everything started falling apart right uh uh, there were some there were some general contractors brought in to pick up the pieces, but couldn't stay within the budget and 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 basically that whole trickle down effect to led us to where we are today where, where we're looking to offload it and hopefully just recoup investment capital or maybe at least certain percentage of it but again it's it, it happens it's nobody's fault and and it's just just the risk that you take and it's it's all good, man you move on.
0: Yeah, this is, um, this is one of the first deals that I've heard go sideways that wasn't like real mismanagement. Like that's pretty uncommon, but also why there's key man insurance in place and to make sure that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they had any of that with your deal, but good point. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Camille, this was awesome. Uh, I loved having you on the show. Great to, great to share your experience and expertise and just, how all the different types of things you're investing in uh, is, is pretty interesting. So thank you for coming on and sharing your story, man.
1: No worries. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
0: Hell yeah. Thanks, man.